The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short, and with me here as always is Drew Silva. Today we're going to go through some notable injuries for the Astros, breakouts for Josh Bell and Lucas Giolito, Derek Dietrich continuing to mash, bullpen updates, and a couple of our biggest surprises and disappointments two months into the season. A bunch of other stuff mixed in here, so let's get started, Drew. Uh, first off, how, how are you doing? I'm great, man. The St. Louis Blues won a Stanley Cup yeah. final game for the first time in 49 years. I figured you'd be happy with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My my Twitter account's a mess. I'm, I'm surprised I'm not losing followers more rapidly than I, I usually do. <laughs> right. um, so switching from hockey to baseball, <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a ton to get to here at the top. Um, with the Astros, who you know are seemingly in great shape, but... Um, a lot of injuries going on with them, um, which I don't know if it's going to change things as far as the AL West, but there could be some fantasy potential here uh, with some of the injuries. Yeah, I, I mean, they were looking like the best team in baseball even a week ago, and, and they might still be, honestly. But yeah, a lot of big time injuries for them, all with pretty significant fantasy fallout. Uh, starting with George Springer, this is kind of old news as we record here on Thursday evening, but he was placed on the injured list uh, Saturday with a grade two left hamstring strain, grade one being the least severe and grade three representing a full tear. So in between those, um, Astros manager A.J. Hinch told reporters that the injury is not as dramatic as they initially feared. And Springer was actually able to run on the field prior to, to Wednesday's game against the Cubs. Uh, so maybe he'll only miss like three to four weeks or something. Um, it's notable, I would say, that the Astros have not yet called up Jordan Alvarez or Kyle Tucker to help in the outfield in Springer's absence. Um, Derek Fisher got the call instead when Springer was placed on the IL. Uh, Jake Marisnik has gotten an uptick in playing time as well. And he does have career high offensive numbers across the board right now that that being Marisnik uh, Fisher hasn't done a whole lot um, maybe the Astros are waiting for the super two deadline to pass before they promote Alvarez and or Tucker they're, they're both tearing it up at, at AAA Round Rock Alvarez especially at a 1221 OPS 20 home runs 64 RBIs in 49 games the super two deadline is kind of tricky um, it's around the second week of June. It's really just based on overall service time. 
Um, so I don't know. Maybe that's it. Um, the Astros have talked about wanting to kind of slow play Alvarez like they would any normal prospect. And the fact that he's having this huge start to the year hasn't changed that mindset for them. I really don't know what to, what to tell people on that. Um, and then on, on Wednesday came news that Carlos Correa somehow suffered a fractured rib while getting a massage on Tuesday morning. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, yeah. I guess it, maybe it's like one of those massages where the person stands on your back. Right. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, and, and then uh, Jose Altuve felt discomfort in his surgically repaired right knee while playing in a minor league rehab game. Actually, back-to-back games on Sunday and Monday. He was on the verge of returning from a hamstring strain, but uh, will be shut down for a period to allow the knee discomfort to dissipate. There's no real timetable with Altuve. Uh, He had surgery on that knee last October, shortly after the Astros were eliminated from the ALCS. Correa is expected to be four to six weeks, um, so it's not too serious of an injury, but obviously he's He's had something pretty much every year for the last three years, That's so it's true. kind of frustrating. Um, this all means that 28-year-old career minor leaguer Jack Mayfield is probably going to be something close to an everyday player for the for the Astros on their middle infield. He can handle shortstop or second base. Uh, Mayfield was never much of a prospect. I actually went undrafted out of the University of Oklahoma back in 2013, but he had a 938 OPS with 10 home runs. 31 RBIs, two stolen bases, and 34 runs scored in 41 games this season at the AAA level. Um, I think there's some deep mixed league appeal there, maybe even some shallower mixed league appeal. It'll be short-lived probably. Um, Altuve will hopefully be back in like two weeks, and then Correa hopefully around four. Um, but you can't deny Mayfield's numbers uh, at AAA, and he's going to have an opportunity. Uh, Miles Straw was called up this week too. He's a former center field prospect. Uh, who converted to shortstop in April of this year, has some speed, uh, 16 stolen bases this year at AAA, could be worth a a look in AL-only formats. But I think for the most part, the Astros will probably play Alex Bregman at short. Right. And then, like, Yuli Gurriel at third. That's what Uh, I was thinking, Tyler White, uh, yeah, maybe gets more playing time at first base, and hopefully he can get going. But I think Mayfield is is actually going to get a lot of playing time, and, and I kind of like him. It's too bad Elendis Diaz got hurt because he could right, be yeah. useful I, I right now. Even, I didn't even mention him. He was having a really good year, but he's on, on the IL with a hamstring injury of his own. Right. Uh, so a lot going on for the Astros. You know they're a good team. So th- there's some opportunity there for, for some waiver wire ads that could help. Um, and then t- to quickly touch on Luke Weaver, uh, big loss for the Diamondbacks there. He was placed on the injured list this week with a right forearm strain. There is optimism that he will not require surgery, uh, but he's getting a second opinion. And it's probably going to be a lengthy absence no matter what. The good thing is this doesn't sound like it's going to be a Tommy John surgery type of thing. Sometimes when a pitcher feels discomfort in their forearm, that's what it leads to. But hopefully it's not that. Um, Weaver was acquired from the Cardinals in the Paul Goldschmidt trade and had really been pitching well in Arizona, 3.03 ERA, 68 to 14 strikeout to walk ratio in 62 innings. Um, it, it sounds like John Duplantier will be Weaver's replacement in the Diamondbacks rotation. He's their top pitching prospect. Um, doesn't have great numbers this year with AAA Reno, but if, if you look at his overall minor league stats, uh, 2.01 ERA, 264 strikeouts, and 228 innings. I think there's reason to be intrigued, uh, especially with Chase Field becoming more of a pitcher's park uh, since they installed the humidor. So, I love that uh, name, too. 
Duplantier. Duplantier. Yeah. yeah, I like it. I, I had to practice. That it sounds one. like a. It's that sounds like a hockey name. All right, let's get back to hockey. <laughs> um, so actually, I wanted to talk about two of the breakout performers of the month here, um, which shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone: Josh Bell and Lucas Giolito. Um, first with Josh Bell, I think he's probably sad to see the calendar turn to June, frankly. Um, he has straight up dominated the month of May, hitting 398 with 12 homers, 30 RBIs, 25 runs scored, 43 hits along the way. He's actually the first Pirates player with 40 plus hits and 30 plus RBIs in the same month since Dave Parker did it in August of 1978. I thought maybe Barry Bonds did that somewhere along the way, but I guess not. I mean, but that's really impressive. Coming into play Thursday, Bell ranked second in the NL in batting average, fourth in homers, and second in RBI. So right in the middle of that triple crown mix. And nothing about this is fluky. Bell is elite in terms of harder hit percentage and average exit velocity. His barrel percentage is also in the 95th percentile, according to Baseball Savant. So just destroying the baseball right now. Um, and someone who was coming off a disappointing year. He's already topped his home run total from last year. Um, which really says it all, and someone who you could get late in drafts or maybe even off, even off the waiver wire, but um, he could win some leagues for people this season. As for Lucas Giolito, he had another great outing this week against the Royals, allowing three runs over eight innings while striking out 10 batters, walked just one, now holds a minuscule 1.24 ERA over his last five starts, 39 to 8 strikeout to walk ratio during that time. Giolito definitely making good on that former top prospect status. He's throwing harder than we've seen in the past. Also relying more on his changeup, so really leaning into his strengths. I think Giolito was written off by a lot of folks, uh, you know, understandably, basically. But, man, he's a must-own in fantasy leagues right now. And our own Matthew Poliot, he came out with his rankings for June. He had Josh Bell 43rd overall, um, fifth among first basemen. Right after Cody Bellinger, um, Freeman, Rizzo, and Goldschmidt. And he had Giolito 183rd overall, 43rd among starting pitchers. Uh, behind guys like Chris Paddock and Matthew Boyd, but just ahead of guys like Max Fried and Sonny Gray. Um, so again, Bell 43rd overall, Giolito 183rd overall, 43rd among starters. Do those rankings seem right to you, or would you be more aggressive? I'd be more aggressive, but I'm I'm probably uh, a uh, what do you call it like more reactionary than yeah than Matthew, who's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> um, but I I mean I, I can understand kind of the hesitance with Giolito. We've seen him you know live up to the prospect hype in stretches in the past, and this looks more for real to me though. Like he's regained some of that velocity that he lost after after the arm injuries. Yes, um, ninety three point nine mile an hour average fastball velocity right now. Um, so that's really encouraging because um, he kind of had to learn how to be a different pitcher. Like coming up, he was one of the best high school pitching prospects of the last 20 years. Yeah. Um, and then lost some velocity, had some arm problems, and then kind of learned how to pitch more. Um, that's a cliche, but I think it is a thing like lo- learning how to use your secondary stuff better. And now that he's regained some of that velocity, I, I really think he's rounding into a legitimate ace. Yeah, I'm so, I mean, 130, 183rd overall, I, I would take that. I probably would be a little more aggressive on, on him because he's like a youngster with upside rather than like a, a veteran who might be a little bit boring. Um, so maybe I'd, pound, like if we were drafting again today, I'd probably pounce on him earlier. Um, but the Bell ranking, I think that seems fair. Like it, it's hard to make a case 
to take him over certainly Bellinger, but Freeman, yeah, no Freeman, Rizzo, Goldschmidt, maybe Goldschmidt. If you, if you really wanted to believe in Bell as like the guy on the rise, I could maybe see that, but there's, uh, there's going to be some regression coming for Bell. Yeah. I mean, it's only fair to, ex- to expect yeah. that, but I mean, he's definitely cemented his, his place uh, at the first base position, which really needed an infusion of youth. And uh, we've seen that with Pete Alonso as well. Yeah. Bell's average draft position on Yahoo this spring was 241. Wow. Uh, Giolito was pretty much off the board. Yeah. Those are, you know, both guys you, you wanted to target last year, um, but didn't want to target this year. And it's it's that post hype thing we, we always talk about. Yeah. That's for um, sure. we, we have to give some love to Derek Dietrich, too, like you said at the top of the show. Just what a pickup for the Reds. Signed him to a minor league contract in late February after he you know, failed to attract significant interest all winter, couldn't find even a one-year deal for reasons that I still don't quite understand with his versatility. And, and the I mean, he hit pretty well for the Marlins yeah. last year. Um, but that's kind of how free agency goes in baseball these days, unless you're a bona fide superstar. Uh, but yeah, Dietrich has played like a, like a superstar so far in Cincinnati. He had a three-homer game on Tuesday, another two hits on Wednesday, now up to 17 home runs and a 1081 OPS in 144 plate appearances this season. Uh, he's still sitting against some lefties, um, so doesn't have the plate appearances of, of some more prominent fantasy options. But um, I was reading Jay Jaffe's uh, Fangraphs article on Dietrich today, and you, you look at the home runs per plate appearance frequency, and it's up there with you know, Mark McGuire in 1998, Barry Bonds in 2001, <laughs> Ted Williams in 1953, um, obviously it's, it's just may, so let's not go, go crazy, but that's, it's just insane company that he's in right now, considering he's on a minor league deal in Cincinnati, actually making $2 million while he's in the majors, but yeah, uh, would have been a great addition to, I think any roster in the majors. Yeah. Um, he's played mostly second base, uh, and with scooter Jeanette nearing a return, probably in about two weeks from his severe groin strain, you have to wonder how Dietrich's role might change probably becomes more of like an everyday super utility man. If that's, if that's a thing Uh, like playing some corner outfield and some first base and some third base, as well as getting starts here and there still at second base Um, Dietrich and Jeanette will probably both be shopped ahead of the July 31st trade deadline. Um, The Reds are in last place. They could go on a run, uh, but it's a tough division, the NL central, and they have a bunch of expiring contracts uh, Yasiel Puig, I think, will probably be on the move. Uh, maybe they capitalize on Sonny Gray's re- rebound, uh, even though they signed him to an extension after after acquiring it from the Yankees. Raysale Iglesias uh, possibly gets moved, too. Uh, we'll get into more trade candidates around the majors as we move closer to July. Uh, just, just wanted to give a shout-out to Dietrich, who went undrafted in pretty much every fantasy league this spring. The Reds could have been an interesting team if they got some contributions from Votto, which is weird what's been happening with him. Puig has been a disappointment. Even Jesse Winker, I had high hopes yeah. for. Those three guys haven't haven't really done a whole lot. Matt um, Kemp stunk it up too before they let him go. Yeah, and now he's you know he's with the Mets on a minor league contract, which is weird. Yeah. Um but if those guys had been hitting, maybe the Reds would be a little more interesting because they, they have some pitching. Um yep. So, yeah, I mean, Dietrich, I think, you know, it could be one of those things where he maybe takes some time away from Winker in the corner outfield. I mean, as long as he keeps hitting, they're going to find spots for him, especially if they want to showcase him 
uh, prior to the trade deadline. But one thing about Dietrichs, I mean, I think he's one of those like deceptive looking guys. Like when you see him in a uniform, like he doesn't stand out, but that dude is just shredded. He's ripped. Um, So maybe it shouldn't be a surprise. He's, and maybe he's sort of just like the next Scooter Jeanette who, you know, broke out when he came to Cincinnati. It's a favorable home ballpark, all that kind of stuff. Um, he's actually, I, I think a bunch of Dietrich's homers have been against the Pirates, right? I think it's like yeah, like almost yeah, yeah it's like them. seven seven of the seventeen. He's the Glaber, um, he's the Glaber Torres of and the I, National I, League. I feel like going from Marlins Park to Great America Ballpark is like when you're swinging a weighted bat on the on, in the on deck circle. <laughs> right. yeah. Then yeah. the bat feels very light once you get to the plate. <laughs> right. Um, so I wanted to jump over to Devin Smelter's debut with the Twins. Uh, he was called up with Michael Pineda hitting the injured list with more knee problems. Um, and Smeltzer really dazzled in his major league debut against the Brewers on Tuesday night, allowed just three hits over six scoreless frames, struck out seven, walk none. Uh, Smeltzer is a, a cancer survivor. He came over to the Twins in the Brian Dozier deal with the Dodgers last year, and he wasn't considered one of the Twins' top prospects coming into the year. Um, but the numbers were really impressive between AA and AAA this year. One one five ERA over nine starts. Average 7.9 strikeouts per nine, 1.6 walks per nine. So uh, control is really his calling card. Um, looking at the start on Tuesday, though, Smeltzer averaged about 90 miles per hour on his fastball, uh, topped out at just over 91 miles per hour, um, induced 11 swings and misses in his 69 pitches, most of them on his changeup. Um, you know, it's intriguing, especially given the offense that he did this against. But this isn't exactly the sort of profile I'd go chasing after in fantasy leagues. There are obviously exceptions, um, you know, guys like Kyle Hendricks. Um, but you really need that elite command and controller. You're going to get hit hard, uh, especially in this modern game with so many home runs. So I, I still kind of see him as more of a wait and see, and I take my chances elsewhere. But, um, you know, if he gets more chances, it's worth watching. Um, I don't think Pineda's going to be out for a long time, but... Um, certainly you couldn't have asked for a much better debut. Yeah. I, I don't Pineda has had a lot of knee issues in the past. So I, I wonder if he's, you know, ever going to be like the guy that he was. Yeah. Um, he, think, he is, he's put on some weight too, man. He is a big boy. Yeah. Uh, and, he's a perpetual that, tease too. So yeah. I'm the, the stuff has always been there, but I mean, how old is he at this point? Like closing in on 30. Gotta be. Yeah. Um, yeah, he. I think he just turned thirty actually in January. Um, we both love Padres rookie starter Chris Paddock. Uh, talked him up a bunch on our spring training podcast leading into the season, especially after it was announced that he would be on the opening day roster for San Diego. But I was wondering uh, if it might be past time to sell high on him in, in a redraft league. Definitely in like a keeper or dynasty league, you hold tight. Uh, but I, I'm not saying that just because he got roughed up by the Yankees on Wednesday. He allowed three home runs in that one, four runs total. It was probably his worst start of the year. Uh, it's more because I think we're reaching the territory where the Padres are, are going to start limiting his workload, uh, whether that's shorter starts or sending him to the minors for a bit and having him pitch like every nine days. Um, Mike Soroka of the Braves could fall into the, to this category too. Uh, so, Soroka has been one of the best pitchers in all of baseball, a 1.07 ERA through eight starts, but he threw only 76 innings last year between the minors and majors. Paddock threw 90 innings between high A and double A last year. 
uh, missed the entire 2017 season following Tommy John surgery. He's already at 56 and a third innings this year. Um, I think there's just something to think about. You want to be proactive uh, as a fantasy baseball owner. Maybe someone in your league is unaware that Paddock or Soroka had such light workloads in 2018. These are young guys on teams with bright futures. Uh, they're not going to be pushed too far beyond the 120 inning territory, I, I would imagine. Um, so I, I, I would try to sell high on both of them, honestly. M- maybe get a few more starts out of Soroka, but Paddock, I think I think you want to start thinking about it this week. Um, back to the Padres rotation, it's worth noting that Denilson Lamette made his first minor league rehab start on Wednesday night in high A ball. Uh, he's nearing the 14-month mark in his rehabilitation from Tommy John surgery. Could be an option for the Padres rotation sometime in mid-June. Uh, assuming there are no setbacks and he pitches well enough uh, in the minors. Lamette was considered the Padres' most valuable starting pitcher not all that long ago um, before their farm system started bearing fruit. Um, Had an inflated ERA as a rookie in 2017, but struck out 139 batters in 114 innings. I think he's worth watching in fantasy, probably not worth stashing yet in any standard mixed league, uh, but he might be as his activation date moves a little closer. Um, should be an innings eater for the Padres in the second half at the very least. And I think they're going to need innings to be eaten with so many of their young arms and so many young arms am- among their current starting five. Right. I mean, Lamette's a guy I think we talked about on this podcast in the past. So um, someone to watch, uh, at least as far as how he fares in his rehab starts. And, you know, San Diego's uh, ballpark isn't as, pitcher friendly as it used to be but it's still a pretty good spot um so definitely one to watch as as the summer rolls along a couple of players on minor league rehab assignments worth stashing here i'll start out with dd gregorius he's coming back from tommy john surgery of course he began his rehab assignment with high a tampa last weekend and moved it up to triple a on wednesday the results don't really matter at this point but he's already hit a home run which is nice he'd rather him be swinging the bat well than than not i suppose Coming off the type of surgery that he had, the Yankees figured to use most of his rehab window for him not only to shake the rust at the plate, but get comfortable in the field as well. So chances are we're looking at maybe second week of June before he joins the Yankees. And Gregorius was still available in 61% of Yahoo leagues as of Thursday afternoon. And that seems like way too many given what he's capable of doing in this lineup and this ballpark. Gregorius has reached 20 homers in each of the last three seasons is at 268 or above in each season, even stole 10 bases last year. So really nice upside here for the final four months or three and a half months of the season. And when Gregorius returns, we'll likely see Glaber Torres shift back to second base and DJ Leo Mayhew see a bunch of chances at third base. Gio Urshela will also be in that mix. I suspect they'll share playing time there at the hot corner, but um, maybe Gregorius will get some days off here and there as they mix and match guys. But I think he's going to be someone you, you'll you see owned in most mixed leagues at some point. So um, jump on that as soon as you can. The other name to stash is Mitch Garver with the Twins. Uh, went down a little over two weeks ago with his high ankle sprain in a home plate collision with Shohei Otani. Uh, but he recently began a minor league rehab assignment. Um, actually, on Wednesday, he went 0-2 with a strikeout in double-A. Barring any setbacks, it seems Garver should be back with the Twins in the next few days. Um, He's available in 56% of Yahoo leagues as of Thursday afternoon, so 
definitely take advantage of this if you can, and chances are you need catching help. So uh, look at your waiver wire and see if he's out there. Garver was hitting 329 with nine homers and 1164 OPS over 25 games prior to the injury. Even with the prolonged absence here, he ranks ninth among fantasy eligible catchers on Yahoo. So that doesn't say much for the names, other names out there at the catcher position right now, but it also pits in, puts into perspective um, the kind of potential that he has. And this is someone who hit well in the minors. So, um, you know, someone who could be a really valuable contributor in a, in a really good Twins lineup. Of course, the Twins, the best team in baseball right now, right? Yeah, I mean, I had him number one in my power rankings That's this right. week. Which felt strange, but yeah. you have to you have to acknowledge it. Yeah, um, they're get Jake Odorizzi is going to like win the AL Cy Young Award. Amazing. Um, yeah, and they and they can really hit. I mean, that lineup is deep. Twins catchers are yeah, like you said, just outrageous this year. Um, all right, let me run through some of my weekly bullpen updates. Uh, Pedro Strope of the Cubs threw a scoreless inning in his rehab debut Tuesday at AAA Iowa and was scheduled for one more rehab outing Thursday at Iowa with the expectation that he will return to the Cubs bullpen during their weekend series against the Cardinals. Um, I don't know that Strope is going to get save chances right away when he comes back. Steve Ciszek has actually been pretty strong as their fill-in closer, um, but I could see those two like sharing ninth-inning opportunities over the long haul unless the Cubs beef up their bullpen around the trade deadline, which is very possible. Um, that definitely could be a changing a situation in flux there at the back end of, of the Cubs bullpen. Green Kimball. But I think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that guy is still after, out there. <laughs> after, after the draft, I think, which is next Monday, yeah. um, I think we'll we'll finally see movement on, yeah, on this, Kimball. And this Dallas time Cubs. next week, we could be talking about wherever he signs. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I think C-Sheck and Strope should both be owned in mixed leagues. Brandon Morrow did – resume throwing last week but there's no timetable for him uh keeps running into setbacks as he ramps up his workouts i think it'd be a surprise at this point if morrow throws another pitch for the cubs mm-hmm. jose leclerc uh of the rangers he served as their opener uh for the second time this season on wednesday afternoon against the mariners through a scoreless first inning texas went on to win that one eight to seven leclerc has actually pitched really well in may uh, since getting bumped from the closer role after an awful March and April. But it seems like manager Chris Woodward is is going to continue to use him in more of a flexible kind of gig. Uh, we, we covered this topic on last week's show, so I don't want to repeat myself too much for people that tune in every week, and, and thank you for that. Um, we could really do a daily show on, on saves and who's get, getting them, yeah. given the way modern managers are, are mixing and matching. Um, but it looks like Sean Kelly is, is going to be the Rangers' closer moving forward. I think at least for the foreseeable future, uh, Kelly earned a save in that game that Leclerc started on Wednesday. He's now up to six saves for the year compared to Leclerc's five. Uh, with Leclerc's one, last save came back on April seventeenth, so it's been a while. Um, so again, if somebody in your league dumped Kelly when he landed on the injured list earlier this month due to an infection in his throat, pick him up for sure. Uh, if you're a Leclerc owner, I have no advice for you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, just hopefully you get some strikeouts and some ERA help, and, and maybe he does move back into closer eventually. The Rangers are a better team than I expected them to be. Um, they don't have a much much of a rotation, and it sounds like Mike Miner is going to be traded at some point, but they can hit. Um, I, I think they lead all major league teams in runs per game. Yeah, I think they, you're right. 
Yeah, they, they at least did on Tuesday when I was doing my power rankings. Uh, so there will be save opportunities there in Texas. So pick up Kelly if he's still out there. I wonder if uh, Leclerc is yeah. more amenable to being in this type of role because he signed that extension. You know what I sure. mean? Like he might yeah. just be more on board to be like, you know, pitch me whenever. It doesn't matter to me because he doesn't have to worry about arbitration or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it's a good point. Um, and then the, the, the Orioles, if, if this matters at all, uh, are moving away from Michael Givens as their primary closer. Uh, manager Brandon Hyde announced that earlier this week. Givens has been really awful the last 10 days or so. Uh, worked a scoreless seventh inning on Wednesday, which was encouraging. But then they brought him back out for the eighth, and he gave up a homer to the first batter he faced. Um, a, a surprise that an Orioles pitcher would give up a home run. <laughs> I think you could see a bunch of different guys getting saves for the O's moving forward. Sean Armstrong, Richard Blyer from the left side, Paul Fry, Miguel Castro. Uh, if I had to recommend one, it would be Armstrong. Uh, but I, I wouldn't overextend myself to, to pick up any Orioles pitcher. Those um, are definitely all pitchers. I can confirm that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Armstrong is kind of a name. Uh, but yeah, in general, I, I just, I just wouldn't even bother. Yeah. Um, the Orioles have the worst record in baseball again. They're picking number one overall in the draft next week. Could have the number one pick again in 2020. Mm. Um, so Ad- Adley Rushman will look good in the, uh, the black and orange, I guess. Right. Um, Edwin Diaz of the Mets and Blake training of the A's, uh, probably the, t- the top two closers on fantasy draft boards this spring have both struggled lately. Uh, Diaz had a brutal outing Wednesday night at Dodger Stadium. Uh, gave up four earned runs while recording only one out to blow a three-run lead. Trinan hasn't had a clunker quite like that, but he's had more bad outings overall than Diaz. Um, it's just been kind of spotty for him. The control has not been as, as good as it was last year when he had an almost historic year as the A's closer. Uh, that said, I, I'm not too worried about either of them at this point. I mean, your hands are kind of tied if you're a Diaz or Trinan owner. Um, you you spend a high draft pick on them or a lot of auction money. I think you just have to keep them in your lineup and hope for the best. I don't see a ton in the underlying numbers that is overly concerning. The velocity looks okay. Um, I doubt either gets demoted from the closer role. Maybe Trinan's more of a risk than Diaz because the A's have better options than the Mets. Um, but I know, we'll, we'll check back in on this situation next week. I think it could look better, but uh, something to monitor. Yeah, I know Trinan had like the elbow thing like a month ago. I wonder if that could be a factor or it's just like natural regression. The, the thing is, he's had really good outings like in between bad outings. I, I would just say it's natural regression and he wasn't going to pitch to a sub one ERA. Again. Yeah, I, I can just say about Edwin Diaz, like he reminds me a little bit of the pitcher he was like two years ago where he was like constantly walking a tightrope rather than yeah. being like the dominant pitcher he he was last year so we'll see if he can find it i mean he's still a really good fantasy closer and and before last night i had like the utmost faith in him and i still do you know what i mean but um yeah. just one of those nights but i think the dodgers are pretty good you know <laughs> yeah um and i think the mets may have accused them of like stealing signs or something saw and then that, saw that today but diaz has already given up the same number of home runs he gave up all of last year i'm pretty sure so but who isn't having problems with the home run ball this year so right yeah um so to finish the show up here we were just going to take stock of the first two months of the season um you know it's memorial day just past 
Um, so I think it's sort of the time that we generally start to take stock of just the standings and, you know, maybe where you stand in your fantasy league. So we figured now would be a good time to look at one surprise and one disappointment each through the first two months. Um, so my biggest surprise so far has been Hunter Dozier with the Royals <laughs> coming off a 673 OPS in his first full season in the majors last year, hit just 229 with 11 homers over 102 games. No reason really to pay attention to him in mixed leagues coming into the spring. In fact, I remember I scoffed at a reader when he asked me if Dozier was worthy of a pickup in early April. To be fair, that reader listener was on it before a lot of people, including me. So I'll give him some credit here. To start with, Dozier has been much better at making contact, being more selective in general. He struck out 28.1% of the time last year. He's at 19.2% so far this year. His walk rate is at 11.7% after checking in at 6.2% last year. So almost, almost doubling the walk rate. We've also seen a jump in his fly ball rate and a very healthy spike in his average exit velocity. So it's reasonable to think he can keep this going. Um, And the Royals have a number of interesting offensive contributors, but I think the biggest surprise so far has been Dozier. Yeah, I mean, I I got a lot of questions about him in April too. And like I do, I just look to the numbers from last year in the minor league numbers. And I'm like, there's no indication that he's going to keep this going, but yeah. you know, it's a large enough sample size now that you got to say he's doing something right. And yeah. you know, def- definitely plate discipline improvement is, is helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, m- my surprise is Marcelo Zuna. Uh, I was super down on him coming into the year. If you yes, listen you back to our, our <laughs> spring training podcast, that's my Cardinals fandom coming out. <laughs> yeah, he had a very disappointing 2018 and his shoulder did not look healthy at all this spring Um, his throwing ability from the outfield had been a problem really since he arrived in St. Louis in that trade from the Marlins Uh, but the throws look a lot better now Um, and the offense has him in the top 20 of of all players right now in terms of uh, traditional fantasy scoring Um, he went two for four with a home run on Thursday afternoon against the Phillies has an 859 OPS with 16 home runs, 49 RBIs, and 41 runs scored through 54 games this season. Um, the Cardinals had an awful May, uh, but Matt Carpenter seems to be turning the corner. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt has started to hit with authority again, and Paul DeYoung continues to have a really good year. So there are big bats ahead of Ozuna in that cleanup spot. I think it looks like he's going to get to 100 RBIs easily if he stays healthy. Uh, maybe we see 30 plus, 35 plus home runs. He's a free agent this winter, so you have that narrative for for motivation. Um, I think there's just a lot to like with his rest of the season fantasy upside. And I know some of my teams, um, some of my fantasy rosters, sure could use that that high level counting stats that he has provided. I, I have zero shares of him, as you might imagine. <laughs> I have him in a dynasty league, and I actually recently tried to trade him straight up for Pete Alonso. Um, keep in mind, this is a dynasty format. I got rejected, but, um, wow. Yeah. That's a, that seems like a really fair offer. I think like, it's pretty fair because I'm not yeah. a win now. I'm not, my team's not a win now team. So I thought it made sense. I may try to revisit that trade because I think it's pretty fair. Um, as for my disappointment, I have to say Jose Ramirez. Um, I was a little iffy about saying he was like the must number three behind Trout and Betts in the spring, but it was certainly a reasonable take. I think he was number three in a lot of leagues, but now he looks completely lost. Um, Ramirez has just four homers 
and 13 extra base hits total through 54 games. So in addition to hitting just 209, he's sporting a 313 slugging percentage. And remember, this slump extends to, to last season where Ramirez had a 165 batting average and a 577 OPS over his final 38 games. So we're talking about a huge sample of games at this point, basically approaching 100 games maybe. Um, so it's it's mystifying and weird, especially when a player was just so amazing. His OPS was over 1,000 when this slump started um, down the stretch last year. So amazing to see a player lose it this quickly and not able to to find it again. Um, I guess the only saving grace to his value so far is that when he gets on base, he's been stealing bases. He's he's already swiped 15, 14 bases. He's 14 for 16 in stolen base attempts through 54 games. So at least there's that, but obviously not enough to, to salvage things so far. Um, and going back to Matthew Poliat's rankings, he had Jose Ramirez 42nd overall in his top 300 for June. Um, do you think that's fair? To me, I there's no way. Like if we were drafting again today, I think I would just try to avoid this predicament. <laughs> and so yeah. it's not like a headache of like, am I going to put him in my lineup this week or not? You know, but um, he's a really tricky player to rank right now. Yeah, I think it was our uh, our cohort Ryan Boyer that tweeted the other day that Jose Ramirez is now Billy Hamilton. Yeah, yeah I like it's that. Like, yeah, I mean, I hate so, it, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I don't want to answer your question. I, I feel <laughs> I feel like he's gonna rebound, but man, we've been saying that you know going back to the end of last year, yeah. uh, it just hasn't happened. But when you look at a guy that produced so well over you know a nearly thousand plate appearance sample size to crater like this it's it's just strange without being able to point to any like any injury yeah um i have i don't know i have no answers if if you're a ramirez owner you're just (laughs) yeah you're just just praying and and you're probably not in first place (laughs) (laughs) Uh, unless you did really well with like you know your late round you got josh bell yeah (laughs) yeah you got josh bell and lucas giolito and mike soroka Derek Dietrich, you picked him up off waivers. Um, my disappointment is Jackie Bradley, um, and it's not a disappointment to the level of Jose Ramirez, you know, because he wasn't a, a, a number three overall, number four overall pick. But I grabbed a lot of shares of him this spring. Really liked him as a late round outfield value. Um, he had 13 homers, 17 stolen bases, and 144 games last year. I was thinking like maybe he takes a step forward, more power. He's flashed more power than that in the past and a decent amount of speed um, hitting in an okay spot in a really good Red Sox lineup, maybe like a 260-70 or 260-270 batting average with an OPS around or slightly above 800. Uh, But right now he's batting 185 with a 600 OPS through 188 plate appearances, uh, only three stolen bases, four home runs. If it weren't for his really good defense, he'd be among the least productive everyday players in the majors. He might actually still be in that group. Um, the good news is he's gotten it going a little bit lately, uh, slugged his first home run of the season on May 20th, and then has added three home runs in nine games since. Um, he's batting 323 with a 1202 OPS over his last 43 plate appearances. Um, so maybe he's turning a corner and, and is going to become kind of a waiver wire. I would I don't want to say treasure, but a pretty good waiver wire pickup. A lot of people have dropped him. I dropped him in a lot of leagues. Uh, might be a good time to pick him up and see if he can keep this going. The Red Sox are finally playing 
uh, to the level that they should be playing. And JBJ is a, a big part of that. You know, I don't know if I'm just making this up, but like he seems like a super streaky player. And I don't know how much is like mechanical at the plate with him. Yeah. But I feel like he's had these like huge swings of ups and downs during his career. So maybe this is the upswing. Hopefully. I mean, he hit 26 home runs. He was an all-star in 2016, hit 26 home right. runs. He had a crazy uh, hitting streak, which I think we, we covered during that yeah, season yep. as well. I mean, he's put up good, like, you know, mid-800 OPSs in the past. Um, so, yeah, it, it, he's he's a strange one. I, I was really high on him this year just, like, because where you could get him in a draft. And, you know, if you wanted a piece of that Red Sox lineup and you could get it late, it seemed like that was the way to go. Um but I, I think he's worth picking up, man. He's he's kind of turned it on, and then you know maybe he'll fall into another slump. <laughs> um, anything else for this week? Let's go Blues. <laughs> so I figured that would be next. So um, that will do it for this week. If you like what you're hearing with this show, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Simple to do, however you decide to listen. And if you wouldn't mind, please rate and review the show as well. That's always a huge help. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short, Drew's at Drew Silv, and we'll see you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.